0: Jeff. Never heard that sort of a response for a sermon before. Go <laughs> job. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a lot of people here. So isn't it wonderful to all be back in the same room again? Great. Okay, so because we've got all the kids in today, I'm going to try and keep it a bit short, um, and we've got uh, our practice to do afterwards. So we're going to continue to look at Advent today. Um, We're looking at love. Um, It's probably probably one of the most easiest and kind of most complicated topics at the same time to deal with. You know, you kind of look at it and you think, well, what's so what's so difficult about love? Um, It doesn't seem to be that much of a complex thing, but We've got to start to think about what type of love are we talking about. In the Bible alone, there's four different types of love that are mentioned. Is that a little bit loud? Yeah. So in the Bible, like I said, there's four different types of love. So we have storge love, which is the love of family. Then we have philia, which is the love of friendship. We have eros, which is romantic love. And then we have agape or agape love, which is the unconditional love of God. Don't worry. That's the only Greek I'm going to use today. So, um, but love's quite a complicated thing. It's it's not just a simple topic that we talk about, and it's huge. Love means different things for different people. Everyone has different experiences, understandings, knowledge, interpretations of love. So this has actually been quite a challenge, you know, to try and talk about today, but. When we look at love in the context of Advent and Christmas, there's a few givens that we need to address first. We can't have Christmas without Christ. And we can't have Christ without the love of God, because Jesus was the the loving gift that God gave to us. So there's a few things we need to have there. So I've been going to church all my life. So I'm I'm 39 now. So I've heard the Christmas story at least 39 times. I've heard the Christmas story scriptures at least 39 times I think there's probably one or two people here in the room today who've heard it more than 39 times but you know sometimes that's actually a really dangerous thing because we slip into this mode of yeah I've been there done that heard one Christmas message you've heard them all you know there's nothing new in it there's nothing exciting and so you sit there and you start just your eyes just glaze over and you think oh it's nearly 11 o'clock what am I gonna have for lunch today You know, what are we gonna do for the rest of the day? And we waste this opportunity to talk about something that's really cool. You know, I mean, how many different ways, honestly, can you hear the nativity story told? You know, it's really cute when we have the kids up there doing the nativity, but how many different ways can we do it? How can we get something new out of this story, which is the most incredible story in the history of everything? You know, it should just be so filled with amazement and awe and wonder for us. But because we hear it so many times, over and over again, somehow it can, it can lose that magic. Madison, Sarah and I were talking um, the other night when I was supposed to be preparing this sermon and procrastinating it. Um, but Sarah said something to me, that, um, to us all, that, that kind of stuck with me. She said, what she wants from a preacher and what she wants from a sermon is to be able to hear a piece of Scripture or have a piece of Scripture presented to her that she's read a million times before that makes her stop and think, oh, wow, I've never thought of it like that. You know, and you just get that, that moment of, oh, I've never considered that. And so I thought, well, that's my challenge, is to try and surprise Sarah this morning. And hopefully I can grab a few of you along the way. So do you know what? I, I read, you know, the Nativity Scriptures, and then I Googled... Um, readings about advent and love and then I googled scriptures about advent and love and I found a verse in Luke that we're going to go through um, and it's part of the nativity story but I've read this many many times myself I've heard it preached on at least 39 times in my life but there was one part in there that jumped out at me and I'd never considered it before it's this, just this, this one little sentence in this verse and it had never held any significance for me at all. It's like, you know those puzzles that people flash up on Facebook all the time where you get this sentence and all the vowels are removed. And, you know, they do, the, oh, if, you're, if you can read this, you're in the top 2% of smartest people in the world or whatever. But your brain can still read that sentence in most cases because it knows what's supposed to be there. And so it just glosses over the mistakes and fills in the blanks. That's what this sentence had been for me in this passage of Scripture. It had just been one of those things that I glossed over and just took for granted as part of the story. So I'm going to read it to you now. If you've got your Bibles or your phones or your apps or whatever, it's in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 8 to 20. I want you to see if you can pick the sentence. That jumped out at me. Luke 2, starting at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured all these things up and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Did you pick the sentence? Which one do you think it is? Anyone? Spot on. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I had never noticed the significance of that one little verse because I'd always been focused on the amazement and the wonder and the shepherds spreading the good news and everybody showing up and praising and worshipping. So let's take a moment to consider what's happened in this part of the story. So Mary's betrothed to Joseph. She's a godly woman, but let's, let's be clear. She's not super famous. She's not a leader. She's not going to win academic awards. She's never going to become a Nobel laureate. But she's going to go down in history as probably the most significant woman in the creation of people. You know, she's just doing her thing. She gets visited by an angel who tells her that she's been chosen by God and that she is going to bring the Saviour into the world. Despite the fact that she's unmarried and a virgin, she's going to have a son. This is going to be God's child and the prophesied Saviour of everything. So then she's got to go and explain that to Joseph. You know, thankfully God intervened with that as well and gave Joseph a dream that kind of explained it all as well. So they've got to to handle that. But then they both have to deal with the fact that Mary is going to be ridiculed and ostracised. At best, they've had a child out of wedlock. At worst, Mary is an adulteress, and according to the laws of the day, Joseph can have her stoned to death. So once they get all over all of that, then the whole census thing happens and they've got to go on this super long, really uncomfortable journey while Mary's uber pregnant back to this little town of Bethlehem where Joseph was born. So then they arrive in Bethlehem, Mary's ready to pop, ends up having the baby, they've had to put the baby in a manger, that's been a pretty big nine months. You know, I think a lot of people would kind of crack under that sort of a nine months. But she just sort of, from what we see, she's taken it in a stride. But then, there's more. All of a sudden, all of these people start showing up. You've got shepherds, you've got these magi coming, random tourists who would have been in Bethlehem all coming back. For the census like this tiny town was bursting at the seams with all of these people all of these random people coming in they're all coming in praising this baby looking at it going oh my gosh he's here you know bowing down worshiping giving gifts you know just showing awe and i don't mean oh it's a cute baby you know i mean actual awe awe is defined as a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder This was a big thing. And there in the midst of all of that, in the midst of this ridiculously crazy, stupid, difficult nine months, and then in the midst of this ridiculously stupid, busy time, Mary just sat there and took all those little moments. Every step along the way, every bump in the road, every moment of joy, every moment of torment, All the excitement, the fear, the wonder of everything that had happened. These were her treasures. As she witnessed all of these people falling over themselves to get a glimpse of her baby. Her baby that she had been blessed with. They wanted to come and share in that wonder and praise. She just sat there and pondered on those treasures. With the love that comes from a mother mary pondered you see to ponder something actually means to think carefully and deeply it's not just sitting there having a daydream and and having these thoughts go through your mind it's a carefully considered conscious thing that you sit there and deeply reflect on something and what mary had experienced and what she had was so special to her that she stored all of these things up so that in those moments she loved more deeply than she could have ever known was possible. And in those moments of chaos and craziness, she just sat there and went, This is it. This is my special thing. This is my special place. Because you see, when Jesus came to the earth, he brought with him a very special kind of love. He brought with him the unconditional love of the Father, the agape love. It's unselfish, it's compassionate, it's accepting. It's a type of love that's not dependent on external things. It's a type of love that's not dependent on who I am, or what I am, or how I am. You see, in our world today, we've got such a distorted view, I think, of love. Um, We kind of have this Hollywood-style view of love. You know, it's this whirlwind of unrealistic expectations given to us by Hugh Grant movies. And it sets us up for this inevitable disappointment of, you know, being a boy standing in front of a girl asking him to love her. I have nice little Notting Hill reference. You see, but we think of love as this ethereal magic thing. You know, it's like this massive lightning bolt that comes in and sweeps through our life like a storm. And we've got no control. We've got no choice about it. But today I want to say that I don't think that's actually what love is. Love's not just some magical thing that happens. Love is a conscious choice. Love is the unselfish and unconditional choice that God made to share his son with the world. Love is the conscious choice of choosing a seemingly unimportant or or insignificant person to be the bringer of the saviour. Love is the conscious choice of Joseph to stand beside his betrothed when everything and everyone around him was telling him to condemn her. Love is the conscious choice of the mother to store up those memories and think deeply on them in the quiet spaces of her heart. Jesus gives us this love so that we can give it away to others just like he did. Jesus tells us that his special love is going to be our trademark. It's what sets us apart. It's what shows the world that we follow him. John 13:35 says by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see our actions reflect Jesus to the world around us. What do you think our reflection is like? Are we providing a good reflection to the world? You see, we can make this conscious choice to show this unconditional, unselfish, compassionate love. Or we can choose to make it about us. We can choose to make our love conditional. We can choose to not show compassion. See, sometimes it's really hard to offer our love. But Jesus wants us to wear that love and display it to everyone around. In Isaiah 61, verses 10, we can read, I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in the robe of righteousness. I am like the bridegroom dressed for his wedding, or the bride with her jewels. So I'm I'm almost done. Told you it was going to be quick. But I want to finish with two questions for you to to ponder. The first questions. What are the treasures that you can store up in your heart? What are those moments? What are those moments that set the love of God apart in your life that you can draw into your heart and ponder on? Not just... Look back on with fondness or think, oh, that was a really great moment or that was a really challenging moment, but actually ponder. What are those moments that you can go to in those quiet spaces of your heart and just deeply reflect on? They don't have to be happy. Treasures can be painful things as well. Even if you're someone here today who doesn't really know God that well or or doesn't even know where God fits in your life, I'm sure that there's still things in your life that have been huge moments, positive or negative, that have really affected you. You still have those treasures. And this morning, I pray that you know, God would reveal himself in those moments to you. He would reveal himself in those treasures and give you something additional to ponder on. And you'll see that he's been there always in the good, the bad, the beautiful and the ugly. He's still there. Second question is, how do you wear God's love? What conscious decisions do you make every single day to put on the garments of love and salvation and righteousness? What conscious decisions do you make to love and share that love with the world? How is someone going to look at you and know that you are set apart? How is someone going to look at you and know that you are a disciple of Jesus without you having to say a word? What garments of love are you displaying to the world? If you can't think of an answer to that question, then that's something for you to ponder. And that's something for you to reflect on. Because we are called to show the love of God to the world around us. We have this incredible gift. You know, we talk about it a lot at this time of the year. You know, Jesus is the reason for the season. But we talk about this gift so much more at this time of year than any other time. And it is the most amazing, incredible story that the world will ever hear. So we've been given the gift so that we can give the gift. It's the ultimate display of re-gifting. <laughs> Except in this instance, we're not re-gifting something that we didn't want. We're re-gifting something that is so incredible... We cannot not gift it to somebody else as well. If you're not sure how to answer those two questions, talk to someone. Find someone in your life. Find someone here Gav, Neil, any of the OLT, someone from your small group. If you're not in a small group, talk to us and we can get you into a small group. But talk to someone about these questions. Because I think at this time of the year, particularly, I think we need to know the answers of the, to these questions because if we don't know what the treasures of our heart are if we don't know how we wear God's love and how we show that to the world around us how can we actually do it if we don't know how we wear it how can we show it so talk about these things ask people go up to someone and ask them how do I wear God's love to you How do I show it? And be brave enough to answer the question if someone asks you. Let's lift each other up and let's encourage each other. Read the Bible. Pray to God. Ask Him to challenge you. Ask Him to provide you opportunities in your life to share the love of Jesus with people you encounter. Be like... Sarah's father when he was alive he would go for a walk and he'd be gone for an hour and in that space he would come back with the life stories of five people that he'd met along the way because he would not walk past somebody without stopping to say hello my name's John tell me about you and he would come back and tell you intimate details of these people that he'd never met before but he just loved talking to people and learning about people and sharing with people Ask God to push you out of your comfort zone and know that when you step forward and show that love and wear that love, wear those robes, it's not going to be like the story of the emperor's new clothes where you're actually stepping out naked. You are clothed in the robes of salvation and righteousness and he is walking alongside you every step of the way. So you can step forward boldly knowing that you are clothed with the love of Jesus as you reflect that love to those around you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the incredible gift that you have shared with the world. We thank you for your love. We thank you that it's a love that is given because of the giver and not because of the receiver. Lord, we thank you that it's a love that meant you would be willing to not only share your son, but sacrifice your son to be able to have relationship with your creation. Lord, we ask that you would show us the treasures that we can ponder in our heart. Show us those moments where you were there and you were carrying us, you were celebrating with us. Lord, I ask that we would have the confidence to know that we are clothed in your love and we are clothed in your salvation and righteousness as we step forward and show the world the incredible gift of your Son. Lord, we ask that you would bring opportunities into our life to share our walk with God, to share what it is to know you and what it is to walk alongside you in life. Lord, we thank you so much. this incredible gift and as we come up to the actual Christmas celebration Lord I pray that yes it's, it's a busy time and it's overwhelming at times but Lord I pray that we would just stop and take a moment to ponder those treasures to reflect on you and reflect on that gift and then stand up and shine as bright as the star as we reflect your love to the world around us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Balance this morning. Thanks, Jeff. Um, but what better way to respond to the love of our Father than in sharing communion?